You're listening to the Gateway Christian Church Beckley Campus Podcast. To find out more about the church, visit our website at gatewaychurch.net. Let's get into this week's message. I want to ask you just a question. This, when the preacher asks a question, you all can feel free to respond to me on this one, right? What determines something's value? What determines what something is worth? What someone's willing to pay for it? I like that definition. I think that's a good one. Boy, you're, you're on it today. I'm just so, man, back row is on fire today, all right? So, um, and, and it's exactly right. And, you know, I, I was hoping for somebody, people to give me bad answers, but yours is such a good answer, and it's shocking coming from, no, just kidding. I love you. Um, but that's exactly what it is. You know, we might have something appraised. It could be a car. You know, you might have a car, a classic car that you put all kinds of money into or a Harley or something like that that you have and you think, man, this thing appraises at $20,000. But if somebody's only willing to give you $10,000, how much is your Harley really worth? $10,000. Houses are the same way, but the housing market's so crazy right now, isn't it? I mean, people are willing to pay more than what their house is actually worth. That's the world that we live in. Uh, uh, we had some friends of ours that just purchased a house, and th- if they didn't put the offer in on the day, that that someone was willing to pay $20,000 more for their house than what if they didn't put their offer in on that day. Isn't that crazy? So what determines something's worth is exactly the definition that Taylor said, is, <laughs> is what someone is willing to pay for. Now, girls, I want to talk to you for a second, all right? How many of you all... Remember that moment when you got engaged? Where are my girls? Huh? How many of you all you remember that moment you got engaged? How many of you all remember it when your friend got engaged? You know? And what do they do when they come in, right? What do girls do? You know, for this long, I mean, you probably have shoulder problems for a month or so, just walking around, just letting everybody see what you got, right? And, you know, when you think about it, you know, what I've read, you know, most men, where's Tanya at? Uh, she's doing children's ministry? Perfect. Okay, great. <laughs> what I've read is most men are supposed to put, save up six months of their salary to be able to buy that ring, right? Well, the good thing I was working at McDonald's when I met Tanya, right? So <laughs> that's all I got to say. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, but that's something that we consider as value. And, and we talk about that. And here's something, we don't have to use words. We just show it out, right? And, and I want you to think about these things because now I want you to think about yourself. How much are you worth? And you know what? The Bible actually tells us from God how much you're worth. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. And, and this word that we read from God, you can go ahead and throw that one up there if you can for me. It tells us this. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. And that word redeemed is bought back. If you all want to know what redemption truly means, and we, I don't even want to set Taylor up for this because he's on a roll today, you know. But you'll find out next Saturday night at Chili Night, all right? Because Chili Night, in order to get a cup of chili, you know what you have to do? You give them a ticket that you purchased. And that ticket is redemption and how much value it is for the chili. But that word redemption, that's exactly what it means. It says, you weren't, there's Tanya and your ring. 
Yeah, I told him about your engagement ring. So anyways, that's another story for another day. I was just, just know, babe, I love you <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know she don't even have it on right now, so I am safe, all right? So, uh, but anyways, that word redemption, when we're reading in the scripture, it wasn't with silver or gold that you were redeemed. And that word means bought back. So you were worth more than silver or gold to God. He bought us back, and he says, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. There's times when we don't wonder how valuable we are. You know, we have this conversation a lot with our kids of determining their self-worth and their value. Teens, listen to me. You're worth more than what that guy says you are. You're worth more than what that girl says you are. You're worth more than even what your parents think you are. And you know how valuable you are, teens? You're worth more than what your grandparents think you're worth. All right? All right? Because grandma and grandpa think you're priceless. Well, as, as much as those people that love you think you're worth, you're worth more to, even than that to God. And notice the very next verse, what it says. But you're, you're more, he didn't purchase us with silver or gold. He purchased us with his precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without de defect. What determines your worth in God's eyes is how much he was willing to sacrifice his own son for your life. Now, because of that, we get a, a chance, once you understand your value and how much God values you, then every time we gather on Sunday morning or every time you're gathered by yourself sometimes with God, you have an opportunity to return back what you think he's worth. And I want to under, let you understand the definition, if I can, of worship this morning. The definition of worship comes from an old English word that literally means worthship. You're determining God's worth when we worship him. Does that make sense to you all? And so, because you know how valuable you are, now we have an opportunity to return thanks back to God and show him how much he's worth. Because I tell you right now, here's what the world, those who are outside of Jesus, think God's worth right now, about this much. They only know he's, they deny his existence. They claim that he's not real. They, anytime you can find something with God's name attached to it, those outside of Christ beat him down. They try to make him seem like he's irrelevant. They, might, they try to make him seem devalued. Listen, we are his creation, and those who are Christ followers are commanded by God to worship him, to return back his value. That's what we do when we gather on Sunday mornings to worship the Lord. That's what it means collectively. We are coming together as a body of believers to value our God. And, and the reason I started with us first, because I started with the selfishness in our society, because every one of us is somewhat selfish. We, we have a hard time defining our value and what we're worth to our sports team. How valuable are you? Can you put a price tag on it? Well, God did it. And his price tag was Jesus on the cross. And because he loves us that much, then when we gather together as a family, whether we're teenagers, young people, older folks, front row folks, or back row folks, 
We gather together to, to show God how much he's worth. Does that make sense to everybody? Now, let me say this to you. Well, when we come together, how many of you always heard, of, you know, we're going to church, or some of you say, we've come together to praise and worship God. Well, I'm going to show you in the Hebrew terms, in the Old Testament, there are seven Hebrew terms. You're going to learn something today about how, what it means to praise God. In fact, we're all going to speak a little Hebrew this morning. There are seven Hebrew terms that, that tell us about what it means to praise. And that's important for us. I mean, because our English translation of the Bible just says, praise God. But when you understand the definition of these words, I think it will change the way that you view worship, if we can use that term. The first one is yada. I want you all to say that with me, yada. And you know what the word means? Yada means to revere or worship with extended hands. Now, how many of you all have seen people extend their hands in worship? All right? How many of you all think, man, I'd like to try that once, but mm -mm, that girl right there, <laughs> I don't want somebody to think, mm -mm, I'm not going to do that. How many of you all have been in that shoe box before? Because that was me. I've been there, friends. I didn't understand. Why are people raising their hands, you know? Are they pitting that bad that they need to drop? You know, I, I mean, these are legitimate questions that I had when I watched people worship. But when you understand that the biblical term means to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out hands, or to throw a stone or an arrow. In fact, Psalm 67.3 says it this way. May the people's praise, yada, you God. May the people's praise, yada, you. You know what that means? It's a command from God himself as they are teaching people how to worship that we are commanded to raise our hands or to throw our hands at God. Now, I want to tell you something. Why is that? I could show you if you really want me to. I don't want to upset Ridge, but I could have Karen come up here, and I could go get that, that through that door right there and grab Ridge, and when Ridge would run to his mama, guess what Ridge would do? Throw his hands up. At some, when we were little children, that's just natural force, isn't it? When we see people who love us, what do we want to do? Throw our hands up. When you haven't seen a friend in a long, long time, what do you do? Throw your hands up and you're ready to love on them, right? But somewhere along the line, we have taught that, you know, we just sit here, we've got to look cool while we're worshiping. And, you know, some of us were raised in churches that if you even moved, you weren't revering God. But do you realize the word yada, praise, in this term in the book of Psalms, tells us to revere God by throwing or extending our hands to him. So you got the first one. The second one this morning is halah. So I want you all to say halah. Means to boast or to rave or to shine, to celebrate or to be clamorously foolish. Look at that big word. You all right? All you students write that down. Your English teacher would think you're real smart when you say that one. You know what that means? This is the idea when David went to praise God in the temple, and he was dancing in his tidy whities <laughs> I'm not sure what those were back then. Some probably come some kind of cloth. And he was 
not acting foolishly, but people are like, well, somebody better get your boy there. <laughs> you know, he's that guy that when you have the dances, I think there was a dance last night, if I'm not mistaken. He's the guy that would go out there and all the rest of their dudes are like, yeah, look at him. He's an idiot. But you know what? He had a bunch of girls around him, right? What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is God wants us to celebrate in him. In fact, look at what Psalm 149.3 it says, let them praise, here's the word, and it's halah in Hebrew, his name with dancing, and make music to him with tremble and heart. Now, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but how many of you were taught that when you went to church, especially if you sat with your parents, you are to sit still, you sit up straight, you don't say anything, and you just sit there, and if you don't do it, there's going to be trouble, right? A lot of us were taught that way. I, I, this true story, Jody Thompson is an orthodontist in Huntington, and he has the best story of all time. When he was a little child, he got a little rambunctious sometimes in church. Do you all realize that how lucky you guys are to have people like them? Because when most people grew up in church and the generations before, you sat there the entire time with your parents on wooden benches and you didn't move? They didn't have youth ministries. They didn't let you get out and do stuff with your youth ministers and stuff like that. You just sat there. And if you acted up, boy, you're, there was going to be heck to pay. Let's just say it that way, right? And I think that affected a lot of people in their worship. Listen to me. Jody tells a story when he was little, and <laughs> I think he was like five or six, and he started really acting them up. And his mother's name was Daisy, and they set up towards the front, and she grabbed, grabbed Jody and put him on the shoulder and walked down the center aisle. And Jody's looking at all the people he went to church with and goes, help me. Help me. She's going to beat me. <laughs> it's one of the greatest stories of all time. <laughs> Help me. Help me. She's going to beat me. <laughs> and, and those bad Christians didn't help that child, you know. <laughs> and it affected Jody all his life. You know what? Jody's a worship leader now, so I don't know what that means to tell you. But listen to me. We are commanded by God to raise our hands and to celebrate him. Listen to me. That the churches shouldn't be a place that look like funeral homes. We didn't come to celebrate someone who's dead. We got someone who's alive, and we need to celebrate that, all right? And I really think that that's something that I want the teens to really hear because, friends, you're not coming here to, to, be, to celebrate a God who's still in the ground. Listen, Muhammad is still buried, all right? All the other religions, prophets, and teachers they're still in the ground. But I want to worship someone who can get me out of the ground, and his name is Jesus. All right? So praise him with extended hands. Also, the next word is talah. You all can say that with me. Talah. All right? And what that means is to revere. I mean, talah means a hymn, a song of praise. Listen to this, a new song, a spontaneous song. In fact, Psalm 22, verse 3 in the New King James Version says it this way. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises, Tehillah, it says, of Israel. We are to sing new songs. Now, I'll be honest with you. You wouldn't believe this, but I'm a hymn guy. All right? I'm coming out of the closet. I'm a hymn guy. I like, I like the old hymns, and, and I still do, and I still think they're relevant. Here's the greatest thing. We can sing old hymns, put it to a new song, and the teens think, man, that's an awesome song. Who, who brought that out, you know? Who sung that new song, you know? The kids have no idea. But I like hymns 
And sometimes when I see a new song, I'm like, oh boy, a new song. I got to learn a new song. I'm telling you my thought process sometimes when I'm in worship. And now I'm just going to slap my hands. You know why? Because God wants us to sing us to him new songs, hymns. He, wants, he loves it all. And in fact, I've really opened myself up to this when I went to worship with people in Haiti when I was in there in January. Because I didn't know one song, one word they were singing, but I was worshiping with those folks. All right? God wants all the people in the world to praise him. Whether it's a hymn or a new song, I just want to point out that God loves this stuff. Then the next one is tada. There's another word for uh, uh, praise in the Old Testament, tada. You all say that with me as well. Tada. <laughs> and what that is, is an extension of the hand. It's thanksgiving. It's a confession. It's a sacrifice of praise. Notice what uh, Psalm 56, 11, and 12 says, this, says it to us this way. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. I will render praises, ta-da, to you. We are commanded to come to God with a thankful heart, to raise our hands and say, God, you're awesome. We love you. We, we thank you for what you're doing. And in fact, this word can also be used in the present. Like we are thinking God right now what's going on, and it also can be used in the future, that we are thanking God in the future for the blessings that he's going to bestow upon us. That's, that's awesome to think about because, you know, there's some Sundays when I come in and I don't have a whole lot to throw up to God. There are some Sundays, there are some days of the week that I'm just like, I'm beat down, I'm discouraged, and it's hard for me to throw anything up to God on this day to thank him for what's going on right now. But you know what? I've been learning. I've been conditioned to start thanking God for how he's going to bless in the future. Because there's one thing I know about my God. We might be going through a valley. We might be going through a difficult time in our life. But he is faithful. He'll bring us through it. And he is worthy of the praise that he's going to receive when we come through whatever we're going through. The next one is Zamar. Say it with me. Zamar. It means to make music to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. That's what that one means in the Old Testament. And, and you, know, uh, you know, I just love it. You know, here, you know we're, we've been blessed to have Taylor and Karen with us and help lead us in worship. But I'm just amazed. I just want to throw out another instrument and see if he can play it. You know what I'm saying? My man's got some talent, and he can play, you know, he's got a drum that he uses as a suitcase. I mean, from the first day I was like, I met him, I'm like, do you remember that? I was like, what is that? And he goes, that's my drum. I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I learned it on YouTube. And I was like, and then and he probably didn't say that one. But about 98% of the stuff that he learns is on YouTube, all right? If, you know, if the education system goes bad, everybody just listen, there's YouTube, all right? So what my point is, is this, is that the musical instruments, I, I think God likes them all. You know, he, he likes spoons. If somebody could play the spoons, you know, somebody, how many of y'all remember corduroy pants? How many of you ever played instruments on your corduroy pants, you know? You know <laughs> how many of you just walking made instruments? <laughs> <You're just going, laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> no, we're getting a little personal there, aren't we? <laughs> so, but my point is, is this, is I think God likes it all. All right, guys? He, he does. He's a God. Look at, look at how we look. We're all different in here today, you know? God likes it all. Can we just leave it at that? He likes all of the praise that people can give him. 
Barak. How many of you all knew that that was a Hebrew word? And Barak, <laughs> I know, I know. I, we had a good sermon until this point, I know, for some of you. you all, <laughs> but you know what Barak means? It means to kneel. It means to bless God as an act of adoration. You know, I've, I've been in worship services, and I saw someone kneel before, and I'm like, first of all, I was like, are they okay? <laughs> but then I'm like, to be so free in your worship that you don't care what anybody else is doing or thinking, and you just feel like you need to kneel before the Lord, that's awesome. All of these words are found in our Hebrew Bible. All of them are found in the, mainly in the book of Psalms. And we are, listen, listen to me, the book of Psalms is the Old Testament people's hymn book. And is there the, the, their choir instructors. We're teaching their people how to worship. And so what I'm saying is, in this sermon, why I think this is an important time for us to learn these things is because, listen, we do a really good job teaching, I believe, our young people, and we teach ourselves in the New Testament, all the things and attributes of Christ, to love, to serve, to, to be uh, joyful to your neighbors. Why do we take communion? Why are people baptized? We, we have to teach people that. But you know what I don't hear very many sermons about? It's teaching people to worship. And I want you to tell you that in the Old Testament, this was something that was taught and taught and taught. And in fact, I believe in Deuteronomy when he's telling the parents to remind their children of such things about God, that the parents were supposed to teach their children how to worship. Can I say that again? <laughs> Your kids are looking to you, Dad, on how to worship. I've been in churches as the preacher, and I watch generational guys that sit here during worship and do this. And I look at their sons, and they're doing the same thing. I look at their daughters, and they're doing the same thing. This is as much teaching for about God as anything that you can teach your children, dads. I'm calling you out. And I'm calling you out because it's not something I'm beating you up and saying, you need to all do this. I'm just wanting you to look at the scriptures. You want to have your kids to have more Jesus in their life? Teach them how to worship. If you want your children to have more Jesus in their life, teach them to worship. Finally, and this is the word that probably many of you are familiar with when it comes to the word praise, is Shabbat. Y'all say Shabbat with me. Shabbat. You all are Hebrew scholars this morning. And this means to address the Lord or to address in a loud tone. Now, there are moments where we need to pause. There are moments in worship we need to be respectful. <laughs> but there are also moments when it's okay to be loud. And someone say, you know, the music's a little too loud. I said, for you or for God? <laughs> the music's a little bit too loud this morning. You know, I, what, why, is, why is Karen bouncing up and down? Huh? Why is she doing her little happy feet? All right? That's what you all gave her. Pat and Fred gave her a, a little penguin because when, when, when she's up here, right? I'm telling the truth. When she's up here praising the Lord, she's got happy feet. They were commanded to be happy before the Lord. Again, we're not coming on Sundays to a funeral. 
We're not celebrating a dead guy. We're celebrating a person who's alive. And our people and our children and our adults, we need to be able to say our God is alive. Because listen, if we are to remain silent, you know what the book of Romans says? Even the rocks will cry out that our God's alive. Ain't no rock going to have to sing for me. Now, you all may say, well, Russ, I can't sing. Come sit next to me. Me either. All right? You will find no judgment here. I feel for the worship leaders because I'm usually too close. I've had them say that and say, you are awful in your singing. I mean, these people who love me, can you kind of keep it down? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm going to make you earn your money today. <laughs> so we are to shout, to command glory and triumph to God. Here's my point. If the church won't praise Jesus for who he is, who's going to? Amen? If we won't, listen to the scripture here, Psalm 117, verse 1, the New Living Translation. Praise, halah, we've already had that word, the Lord, all you nations. Praise, shabakim, all you peoples of the earth. Friends, we are commanded by God to worship him, to show him his worth. Now, again, I, you can say, well, what do you want, Russ? Well, I don't know what I want, all right? I just want someone to be able to teach you that what the scriptures have taught people for generations. I, I, I don't want to reprogram your minds. I want you to consider what you're doing here this morning. I want you to can reconsider why and what we want to teach our children, how they are to honor and to revere and show God his worship. That's why I want the teens in. Because, guys, it's not just coming here to see your friends. It's not coming here to get an appetizer. <laughs> if you're coming here for an appetizer and you consider communion appetizer, there's a lot of other places that serve it better than what we can. It's not coming here to what? So that the preacher gets paid and you have an offering? Well, I mean, what are we doing when we come here? And singing is only one part of this. I've been going on for like 25 plus minutes on one part of it. You guys ready for the other sermon? <laughs> Why communion? <laughs> Why preaching? No, I'm, you know, like, is he going to do that today? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am, Britt. I'm going to leave it right here. But I want to leave it right here. You can go ahead, Taylor, flip the lights. You guys can come on up here. I'm going to leave it to the people who teach us who lead us, who plan every week to help lead us in worship when it comes to this part of our, our worship time. And I'm going to leave it to them because, listen, friends, it's not about you in worship. I've been guilty of walking out and saying, man, song service was just off. I've been so critical. Russ's sermon made no sense. You know who the focus is of that worship is? Me. We have come here to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We have been commanded through Scripture how to do it, to bring musical instruments, to sing sometimes in a loud voice, to raise our hands. So this morning, I hope I've helped you. I hope I've helped you to... To, to maybe set you free a little bit 
and help you understand why people do what they do in worship. And if you've ever felt moved to say, I just need to kneel down here, then kneel. Don't worry about what other people think because, again, the attention's on who? It's on us instead of him. Will you pray with me? God in heaven, as we get ready to go into this extended time of singing and praise. God, let us not be guilty of what is commanded in your scripture when it says, do not be like someone who hears from the word of God and yet forgets what it means. God, let us hear from your word this morning and we have immediate, applicable points to bring in that we can worship you. Because God, you alone are worthy of it. And so right now, Father, as we worship you, I pray that whatever that means to us, we worship you in a new way. A way that might be uncomfortable for us. A way that might push us out of the box. But God, we're doing it not to say, hey, look what I did. But we're looking and doing it because this is what you've commanded. And we're doing it because we want to tell you how much we love you. God, we know how valuable we are to you. Now made this morning, you understand how valuable you are to us. We pray in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, let's stand. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To find out more, visit us online at gatewaychurch.net. See you next week.